Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you here at the Novacare Complex, turning the page a bit, well, just a bit anyway, from the opening game win in Atlanta, looking at the San Francisco 49ers. A big one, the home opener on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. How's everybody feeling out there? I know there's always a bit of overreaction one way or the other, but hard not to be impressed. No, impossible not to be impressed with the Eagles' first game in Atlanta. 32-6 to over the Falcons. And now the Eagles get ready for the 49ers, a fascinating team. They come to Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. They beat Detroit 41-33 on Sunday. Then they, instead of going back to the coast, they flew to West Virginia. They were going to train this week at Greenbrier. So they're trying to save themselves some coast-to-coast travel fatigue. Now what they do have is injury fatigue. And we'll get into that in just a little bit with one of our guests here. We're going to talk to Matt Mayoko, who is the 49ers beat reporter for NBC Sports Bay Area. He'll join the show. Also going to have our weekly one-on-one here with head coach Nick Sirianni in just a moment. First, I want to go back to Sunday. Later in the evening after the Eagles Insider Podcast, the Instant Reaction Podcast was put out on Sunday night. I called Merrill Reese, voice of the Eagles, 45th year. We've talked so much about Jalen Hurts and about Devontae Smith, and he's been so high on them. And I just wanted him to kind of like revel in the glory after that win against Atlanta. And that's exactly what Merrill did. Here it is, Merrill Reese and I, after the Eagles win over the Atlanta Falcons. Merrill, you and I have talked so much about this, about Jalen Hurts, about Devontae Smith. Um, You have been extremely high on both of them, so I'm here giving you kudos. What a game from both on Sunday. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, Jalen Hurts didn't look like he had a nerve in his body. From the moment the game began, he looked like a veteran poised quarterback. And Devontae Smith, to think, almost in storybook form, that his very first catch in the NFL was a touchdown reception is just wonderful. So there's a lot to be excited about. Merrill, what stood out to you about Hertz's performance uh, against a team that, you know, we all knew they were going to blitz a lot? It's his poise, his decision-making. And the other thing is he didn't overdo it with the RPOs. He ran, but he ran judiciously. And when he ran, he didn't set himself up to be injured. He dove down when he had to. He sashayed out of bounds when he had to. He seemed to make great decisions and played a very, very wise game. And Merrill, Devontae, you believe Devontae will be a star. Um, I mean, I don't think the Falcons were able to cover him at all. He had six catches, four on that one drive. I mean, to me, pretty much any time the Eagles wanted to go his way, he was open. He was. He, he was outstanding. He was a major factor in the win. But also, I think it's great to see that the last two number one draft picks, Jalen Rager and uh, Devontae Smith, were contributing. I mean, that's a that's a good tandem to have out there. And I think this, and, and they used, at the very beginning of the game, they used Quez Watkins to their advantage. So uh, the receiver department is really, really talented. I think that's good. But here's the thing. Here you had Devontae Smith make an immediate impact and the fourth player picked in the draft. And I'm not saying he's not going to be a great player because I, I would imagine that he will be. But today in his debut, Quite frankly, Kyle Pitts had no impact at all for the Falcons. We'll talk about the defense in just a second. Merrill, final thing, or a couple things to talk about on offense. The offensive line, healthy now. They dominated. And then I love the way that Nick used the running backs. I loved 
the way Sanders was used. I love the way uh, Kenny Gainwell came in and helped, particularly in that two-minute drive. Yeah, yeah, he did use them well. Uh, there were a couple of times when they got trapped behind the line of scrimmage. But basically, at that point, they were running the clock as much as they were running the ball. And they were very, very effective. I mean, the philosophy seems obvious. Uh, not obvious in terms of being predictable as from a play-calling standpoint, but the philosophy seems to be be aggressive, throw the football, get a lead, and then pound the rock, as they say. Okay, Merrill, defensively, uh, early on, were you worried at all? I was. <laughs> I, I was very worried when the Eagles kicked off and the uh, Matt Ryan marched them downfield like a hot knife through butter. But once he got inside the 10-yard line, or actually in this case down to the three, the Eagles shut the door. And then it happened the second time they got the ball. So both times they marched all the way downfield and all they, weighed, all they came away with was two measly field goals. And that was it for the rest of the game. So, uh, yes, I was concerned early, and I thought early in the game there was some very sloppy and ineffective tackling. But they, as they got into the game, that improved. And by the, uh, by the second half, they had just destroyed Atlanta's offense. Uh, Merrill, Nick was aggressive. Went on, he went for it on two fourth downs. He went for the two-point conversion. Um, he had a variety of things to show offensively. There's still a lot left in that package. Uh, your thoughts on the way Nick handled game number one? I think he handled it well. I think that he had a wonderful head coaching debut. There was one fourth down gamble. I think the one you're talking about fourth and two. I would have kicked the field goal and taken a 12-point lead. Uh, he elected to go for it. They didn't come up. Uh, but it, it didn't matter in this game. They were so in control of Atlanta. Maybe in a tighter game against the more dangerous opponent, they are a little bit more conservative. But today, the Eagles played with a lot of confidence, and they played aggressively. And you never, after those first few drives by Atlanta, you never felt the Falcons were capable of coming back. Okay, Merle, the Eagles are 1-0. It's a 17-game season. What else does this game mean? What else, what else was revealing about this game? And just the fact that, that the Eagles have a bright, young coach, uh, they have a they have a bright young defensive coordinator. They have a good coaching staff, and at one of the most important positions, they have one of the best veteran coaches in the league in Jeff Statlin. And I think this offensive line, if it stays healthy, and I know that's a big if, but if they stay healthy, they will be as good as any offensive line in the National Football League. And one of the keys to good quarterback play and good offensive play all around is having a dependable offensive line, an offensive line that gives the quarterback time, that creates holes for the running backs, and that's what the Eagles have right now. Merrill, it's so much, so, such a different field. Last year, Eagles blew the lead to Washington. Everybody's up in arms now. Gosh, what a, what a great way to start the season. A great way. Great way. I couldn't be more excited, but at the same time, I say it's only game one. And next week, the Eagles are going to face a much more a much more strenuous test in the 49ers who dropped to their opening win. So we'll have a better way to gauge things, to measure things. I'm not about to say that, that this Eagles team is going to, uh, because of the, the strength of this opening win, that they're headed for the playoffs or any big things in the near future. I am encouraged. I feel very, very good. But 
let's watch this thing week by week. But for now, there's a lot to be encouraged about. All right, along with that, listen, by the time Monday rolled around here at the Novacare Complex, the Eagles were well on to the Niners, a team that last year ravaged by injuries, a struggling 6-10 and 10 team. They got a whole lot better. They traded up in the draft. They select Trey Lance, young quarterback from North Dakota State. He played four snaps on Sunday. We'll see what the big picture agenda is for him. But Nick, in a good mood, wanted to get a little lowdown on what he saw from that game against the Falcons. The exclusive one-on-one right here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group with head coach Nick Sirianni. The Eagles, big winners in week one in Atlanta. Here to talk about it, our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. Coach, congratulations on the win. I know that you're on to San Francisco already, but what, as you looked through the tape, what are your big takeaways from the week one victory? Um, I thought we played played hard. I thought we played physical. I thought we played together. Um, there is a lot to still clean up. Um, there's a lot still to clean up that you know that you would expect after the first time out there with the um, for 75 plays and and so we gotta you know we gotta make sure that we're getting better from this tape and and learning from this tape and stay in that mode of how we get better every single day. It was cool to see Jalen get into that rhythm right away. Is that important in your mind for a quarterback to? To get off to a really good start, it is. It is, and I think that's um, that. That's something like, you know, I compare I compare a quarterback and how they throw and one of the little things that they do when they they get going and a um, and throwing it to kind of like a jump shooter, right? You got to see a couple go in the hoop first before you you really start to feel good, and and so that's kind of how we treat that as well. So just get him a couple things that he can get going early with. And that doesn't mean it's always just a little dink and dunk. That could be something you feel really good about down the field as well. So, um, yeah, he started off quick, and he and he continued that throughout the rest of the game. Nothing's ever easy, but are you saying that you'll at times scheme to get him something, quote-unquote, easy just to get him flowing? Yeah, yeah, just, again, just that to get that, you know, sometimes even let's say when a shooter is is not doing well, he goes to the line, he makes gets a couple in, in there, you know, and then he gets going that way. So we just want we want to simulate that as much as we can, just to kind of get him going and, and and get in a groove for the game. You've mentioned using options, getting having options for the quarterback. I'm I'm not sure if fans understand what that means. Can you kind of break it down for us and explain what an option is for a quarterback on each play? Yeah, every play has has different options. Hey, we, we got this option. If it's this coverage, this option. If it's this coverage, um, and you know, speaking of the pass game, you know, if they give us this look, we're taking it downfield. If they don't, you know, we're checking it down. And that can also be in the run game as well. Hey, in the run game, they're giving us this particular box count. Okay, then it could be an option to throw it, or they're giving this a different box count. It's an option to run it. Or hey, you're reading a guy, whether it's a linebacker or a D lineman, um, and what does he do? And there's an option to hand it or run it. So every play has has those options in it. It's just, and and then it's just the quarterback and, and Jalen just making the correct read off of what he sees on the defense. Nick, the three young wide receivers that everybody's been watching, Devontae and Jalen and Quez, had really productive games against Atlanta. What does that do for them in the big picture here moving forward? Yeah, confidence, to get confidence off those first couple, you know, the first drive and 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 to do some things that they did in that game, that, it's just confidence. It's a confidence builder that they they know they, they can play in this league, they know they can make plays in this league, and they'll continue to make plays in this league. So... Um, you know that sometimes that's all it takes is is some is some touches that they and that they really did a good job of getting open on and 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 just to 
you know, see it and, and kind of relive it with the film session today and then just build upon that. So that, that was good to see. They all played, they all played pretty good games. Um, again, a lot of things still to clean up and that, and you know, those three guys are no exception. They played great games, but you know, they got things to clean up also. I thought on the underrated side, JJ Ortega Whiteside got a lot of reps early and to me looked like he was really instrumental blocking. Could you speak to that part of the game for him and then just in general how important it is for wide receivers to block? You see it right from the very first play. He had uh, he had two blocks on the perimeter that allowed Quez to get an 11 or 12-yard gain on the very first play and then another 10-yard gain right after that. And that was started off by J.J. And then you can see, as you look at through the film, you see him do another, uh, have a couple other big blocks that sprung explosive plays. You know, when the ball gets to the receiver on the perimeter, it's because the offensive line did their job and, and got the thing going and the back did his job and the tight end did his job and the quarterback made the right read. And so my message to receivers all the time is, hey, you never know, you never know when, <clears throat> excuse me, you never know when your block is going to turn a 10-yard gain into a 20-yard gain or more than that. And so you got to just block your tail off every single time. And, you know, J.J. did that, and he, he we had some explosive runs because of the way he was blocking the perimeter. And he's our guy. He's our, he's our enforcer out there as far as our blocker. He's, he's really accepted that role of being the enforcer, and he's going to be rewarded with the ball from it as well. Um, but he, he really did a great job of springing some, some plays um, on, on the run game and on those quick screen games. Have you found in your career that it's ever difficult to convince receivers that that's an important part of the game? Um, not really, no, because it, it, they, they see it, they value it. We talk about it all the time. And they, like I said, you know, they get rewarded for it. And, you know, I, I don't use it. I've, I've heard this a thousand times, but no block, no rock. I don't use that all that much, but... Um, uh, you know what? Maybe I'll start using it a little more. No block, no rock. <laughs> I like it. In the backfield, Miles and Kenny Gainwell, really nice one-two combination. What did you see from them in week one? Yeah, I saw, again, the, the playmaking ability from both of them. Miles showed that real quick explosiveness, Ken, you know, in the, in the acceleration and the speed that he has. Uh, Kenny showed his, his toughness and his ability to run between tackles and to make some plays out of the backfield. Um, Again, we're, we got some things to clean up in, in the pass game and in the run game, but it was they, they got off to a good start, looked to build on that, but also make the corrections that they, they need to make to uh, um, to play a better game next week. And again, when they did not have the football, they were really solid in pass protection. So what does that mean to you? It's, that's, that's super important. Um, obviously, it's this kind of the same thing, like, hey, backs or receivers when the ball gets to you on the perimeter if you get a big block we can turn this 10-yard gain into a 20-yard gain well it's the same thing for the backs and pass protection now they get a chance to pay it forward to their receivers right hey if we block they blitz the guy back you're on him if you get this picked up there's one little there's one less guy in coverage and we can hit a big explosive pass play so Obviously, that's important. It's important on both ends. That's why it's such a it's such a great game and the the most ultimate team sport that everyone relies on each other. We're running backs rely on wideouts. Wideouts rely on running backs. We all rely on the offensive line. Um, but just the best ultimate team game. Nick, really interesting to watch the tight ends. You got three of them on the active roster here uh, that you use very a lot in different ways. Zach in Dallas and also Jack. As you go week to week with those three. How much does that help you just kind of with versatility and your game plan with some options that you might have? They gave us they gave us a lot of versatility. You saw that, you know, we were in 13 personnel. We went no we went 
a little bit of no huddle with that um, and spread them out and went empty. But then we also packed it in there and tried to pound them. Um, so they get, they have versatility to be able to do both. We feel really good about all of them as pass catchers. We feel really good about all of them as run blockers. And so that gives you a lot of versatility. The, the defense doesn't really know how to play it. I think the Falcons switched to a let, or switched to their nickel defense when we were throwing, and then we were able to run a little bit on them. So that was that was good. Nick, it's San Francisco coming to town this week. Um, big time defense. What have you seen from them as you study? Yeah, they they got good players. They got good players around that along that front seven. Um, they really do. They, they got some, you know, they got some high draft picks in there. That that and then I think they're coached well. Um, they, they run a sound defense where they emphasize their speed and how they run around. Um, the guys know what they're doing. They can they can play all all types of different players, young guys, old guys, um, because they they're always they always know what to do. Um, and so you see that you see a good tackling unit. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have a challenge, and we just gotta do everything we can do this week to be ready for it. On offense on Sunday in Detroit, they used Jimmy Garoppolo for four plays. They used Trey Lance. If they do a two quarterback system, what kind of challenge is that for the defense? Yeah, you just got to know what plays the, and and feel out the plays, look at the tape of both of them, and and then kind of have a plan for both of them. Um, so it, it creates it creates issues that we know how to handle, but um, nonetheless, it creates issues that you got to account for. Nick, last week on Sunday, very emotional win. Um, you know, how do you bounce back emotionally? What what do you look for during the week from your team? I think it's just that same thing. If we constantly talk about playing the next play, it's not just playing the next play. It's not just like, hey, I'm going, you know, we talk about this dog mentality all the time. It's not going from this play to this play. It's also going week to week. It's also going practice from practice. It's also going series to series, quarter to quarter, game to game, everything. So, you know, it's just having that same mindset of, I'm in the moment right now. I'm not worried about what happened. If you worry about if you if you get too high on what happened last week, you're gonna get your butt kicked this, this upcoming week. So it's that same mindset that I feel like we had all training camp and all week this last week. How are we getting better today? How are we gonna leave this building today better than we were yesterday and be ready to put ourselves in position to 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 try to get that win on Sunday? You've got a taste here finally of Philadelphia after a win. What do you want from the fans? At Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. Oh man, it was great to see the fans out there on uh, at uh, Atlanta there the other day when we when it kind of you could just see all the green in the stands. They were yelling for us. It was awesome. You know, it was awesome to hear the Eagles chant. Um, you know, at near the end of that game, it was really cool. So look forward to when the when the entire stadium is all is all Eagle fans. So um, I know it's a great place to play, a great uh, atmosphere. It's a great advantage for us. And so just just uh, I know what we have to go through when we're on the road. Um, so and I know that the, the fans that some of the other teams that we go on the road aren't nearly the, the type of fans we have. So I know the headaches that it creates our opposing offenses in particular um, when they have to come into the link. So look forward to being on that side of it this uh, this Sunday. Our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni, presented by Wawa. Coach Nick, thanks so much. Good luck against the 49ers. Thanks, Dave. All right, now let's get down to it, all right? Atlanta's over. Let's find out about the San Francisco 49ers. And you heard what Sirianni had to say. If you come to the game on Sunday, bring it. Eagles are going to need it. The Niners, well, most people think they're a Super Bowl contender. Could be. My next guest certainly does. Matt Mayoko, beat reporter for NBC Sports Bay Area, talking San Francisco 49ers. Matt, uh, the San Francisco 49ers are a very interesting team. 
I, I think everybody expects a bounce back this year. And, you know, for the first three quarters on Sunday in Detroit, it looked that way. Now, when you consider the injuries, um, the way they played to finish up that game, how do you feel about the team? Has it changed at all? It does a little bit. You know, I just thought that you know Jason Verrett has just been, you know, just had this tumultuous career. You know, he came to the league in in 2014, and when he's been healthy, he's been a really good player. The problem is he just hasn't been healthy. Last year, he played some really good football for the 49ers. Only the second time in his career he played more than six games, and so he was he went from being kind of a you know found money kind of guy to somebody that the team was counting on. And for him to go out week one with a torn ACL out for the season, now the 49ers have to scramble a little bit. And they did kind of set themselves up last week by signing Josh Norman, veteran who comes in. And so as he was getting up to speed, they decided not to have him active week one. Now I think he's going to have to be active. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, a starter on the other side, was was out this last week with a knee injury. So they're hoping that he'll play against the Eagles. But I think, yeah, I think uh, the Four are in, in scramble mode a little bit when it comes to the to the cornerback position. And the the really the key for them is the defensive line. You know, they feel if they can get pressure on the quarterback, then that takes a lot of the pressure off uh, the cornerbacks. And so, you know, that's certainly what they'll be trying to to do on Sunday against the Eagles. Speaking of the defensive line, before we get to the offense, I know it's very early in the week, but uh, Javon Kinley, uh, Kinlaw, do you, do you expect? I mean, do they expect him to come back and play this week? I, it, it's kind of up in the air. We'll see how the week goes with practices. So the Forty ers played uh, obviously week one in Detroit, and then they took the flight to West Virginia. They'll be practicing at the Greenbrier in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So part of the reason is, you know, they didn't want to do, you know, two cross country trips. They hope that just for the health of the team, they'll be able to bounce back a little bit faster. And so Ken Law is one of those guys that um, I'm not sure he'll be available for this game. We'll have to wait and see, but the rest of the defensive line looks pretty good. D Ford came out of the game with a bit of an ankle injury, but they're expecting him to play in the Nick Bosa, you know, who, sustained his own ACL injury last year in week two. He played a lot of snaps on Sunday against the Lions, played very well. He looked like he was back to his rookie form when he won NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, but he came out of that game healthy. So uh, all systems go you know, for a lot of these 49 defensive linemen for Sunday against the Eagles. Offensively, we, I, I hate to keep sticking with the uh, injury theme, but now we find out about Raheem Mostert on Monday afternoon that he's going to be out for a few weeks, actually several weeks. How much of a loss is that? I know that uh, they had still some success running the football against Detroit. He is he's a dynamic runner. Yeah, you know, he's just, the, the speed is, and he's definitely one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Track background at Purdue, um, and and has turned into a really good football player. But he went out of the game Sunday with some torn cartilage in his knee. That's going to require uh, an arthroscopic procedure, which is going to knock him out for half the season. In his place, though, upstepped Elijah Mitchell, rookie from Louisiana, another good guy with good speed, and he just fits the system very well. So he stepped in immediately and rushed for 100 yards against the Lions. Um, the bit of the surprise was that Trey Sermon, 
third-round draft pick from Ohio State was inactive for this game. And all along, we were kind of watching how practice developed during training camp and thought that he was going to be the number two guy. So they do have some guys at the running back positions uh, that can help compensate for the loss of Raheem Mostert. And, you know, let's look at the history. You know, with Kyle Shanahan and his dad, Mike Shanahan, you know, it's kind of crazy how when Mike was with the Broncos, it seemed like they had a different kind of guy who just almost literally came off the streets and would end up you know, rushing for a thousand yards during his time with the Broncos. And so the Fortnite are kind of in that position where they have such a sound running game. And I think their offensive line is really good when it comes to run blocking. So I think they just kind of feel that whoever they plug in at the running back position will be able to get big chunks of the yards. And that is the offensive formula for the 49ers to run the ball effectively, set up play action and Jimmy Garoppolo had a pretty good game week one. And you'll also see them mix in Trey Lance, the number three overall pick. Uh, how much he'll play, I guess it's kind of a week-to-week basis. But he did play four snaps against the Lions, uh, threw a five-yard touchdown pass, and then ran the ball three times uh, for only two yards. But that is something that the, that the Eagles will have to contend with and prepare for as they face the 49ers. It's so interesting. I mean, I've been here long enough to remember when Donovan McNabb, when Ray, actually when Randall Cunningham came in and replaced Ron Jaworski for a few plays, and then Donovan came in, and then Michael Vick was a, a, a initially kind of just a, a spot quarterback, and it doesn't that didn't seem to disrupt Jimmy G at all on Sunday. Why do you think that is? He's had a really good attitude, you know. When when he got the phone call from John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan on March 26th, and they told him right then, they said, "Hey, look." They, we just pulled off a trade. We're going to be selecting number three and we're going to be taking a quarterback. And he was obviously surprised, shocked, not happy at all. I think he even contemplated like, God, do I want to even stick around here? Do I want to ask for a trade? You know, what, 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 what are my options? And, and it didn't take him too long to just kind of get his act together and, and say to himself, you know what, uh, you know, one of the first things he asked was, am I going to have a chance to compete for the starting job? And they assured him that he would. And he, he really kind of had a chip on his shoulder and he had a very good training camp. And I think he set up to have his best season as a member of the 49ers or in the NFL uh, as a whole. So I think really the key has just been his attitude. You know, he, he has said that, Whatever Kyle Shanahan wants to do as far as the quarterback rotation, as long as it helps them win football games, he's all for it. So I just really think it starts with his attitude of, of not, at least not allowing people to see that it, that anything has upset him. And he's just rolled with the punches. And as I mentioned, he had a really good camp. So I, I think he sees a good supporting cast with a pretty good offensive line and a good defense. And he believes that, you know, the best way that he can kind of set himself up for the future is by having a really good season this year. And, you know, there'll be a starting job for him somewhere next year, you know, might not be with the 49ers, but if he does his job up to the level that he expects this season, he believes that he will be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So it's about winning football games now and setting himself up for the future. Matt, the offense, as you say, is predicated on running the ball and then play action. And then certainly the Eagles have <laughs> vivid memories of George Kittle last year roasting them to the tune of 15, 183, and 
a touchdown. And, and I think he, and I think 15 targets too, right? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, was, I think it was 15 was targets, 15 receptions. It was a crazy yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and then all of a sudden here's Debo Samuel with a huge game on Sunday against Detroit. I mean, is that, is that what the Eagles have to worry about that outside player in Samuel and the inside player in Kittle? Um, I mean, I, it, it, I just, the, we're just coming off that kind of game against Atlanta where it was certainly younger Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley and the Eagles held up very well. Is that the kind of inside outside matchup that the Eagles are looking at? Yeah, I think so. And you know, the, the wide receiver on the other side, I mean, all along, you know, I was expecting Brandon Ayuk to have a really good season. He kind of had some setbacks in training camp. Um, Ayuk, a first-round draft pick uh, last year in 2020, had a very good rookie season. I think everybody was kind of expecting him to take that next step. That hasn't happened um, for wh- whatever reason. You know, training camp, he didn't look all that great. Uh, and so week one, he was splitting playing time with Trent Shurfield, who has been in the league a little bit. He played with the Cardinals, but was basically a special teams guy. And they didn't even give him the tender as a restricted free agent. So the 49ers signed him and they really liked what they've seen. So, I mean, I, other than, other than Debo Samuel, I'm, I'm not sure that anybody on the outside really scares opponents. I think Brandon Ayuk has that ability to, but he hasn't done it yet. But you know, basically with George Kittle, he's just a really good player. You know, and he's he basically runs routes and catches passes like a wide receiver, and he blocks like an offensive tackle. So, you know, he George Kittle is a force in the running game and as a as a run blocker in the in the ground game. So, uh, he he is probably going to be the focus of anything the Eagles do defensively. Matt, last one for you. Are the Niners the Super Bowl contending team that they looked like for the first two-plus quarters on Sunday, or are they more like the team that nearly amazingly blew that football game? Do you believe that they're a Super Bowl contending team? I do. Yes, I do. I think they're – now, I'm, I'm not – probably not quite as confident in, in their ability to – you know, to, to make it through the NFC um, after week one, just because of that injury to Jason Verrett, which I, I think is a really big deal. Uh, but I do think that, that, well, let's just look at the NFC West as a whole. I, I think that's an outstanding division. I'm impressed by all four of those teams. And I guess coming out of week one, you know, if you're going to do a, some sort of power rankings based on what you saw week one, I, I guess I'd probably put the 49ers fourth out of the four teams uh, the the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks all were impressive, I thought, week one. But, no, I do think the 49ers have the firepower um, and the defense. And D'Amico Ryans is kind of you know learning his way a little bit. That was his first game, calling the shots as defensive coordinator. So they got some things to tighten up on defense that I was kind of surprised that the, the Lions were able to to move the ball as effectively as they did, especially uh, after the, the midpoint of that fourth quarter when, when they made that near-miraculous comeback. But, no, I, I do think the 49ers are a really good football team, and I do expect them to be there at the end, uh, certainly competing for a, a spot in the playoffs and potentially maybe even a deep run in the postseason. I just keep trying to think, how are the Eagles going to score points here? And I guess I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get Fred Warner and Nick Bosa out of the equation. So I'm going to... I guess I'm going to go after those cornerbacks. Um, it'd be very interesting to see if the Eagles yeah. do that on Sunday. 
Yeah, and you know the 49ers did have some mix-ups in their in the front with their their front seven. There there were some blown assignments. So the the uh, the, the Lions did have some plays, some run plays that that kind of tore through the the 49ers a little bit. So they got some stuff to clean up. But you know, I guess the issue is if you're going to throw it to the outside, that means you're you're taking some you know five step drops and. Uh, D Ford looks healthy. You got Nick Bosa on the other side. They come at you in waves with that defensive line. So um, I guess it's kind of a you got to if you're going to be throwing the ball down the field, you got to pick your spots because you don't want to you want don't want to be sitting there in the pocket too long uh, with the 49ers pass rush. And that will do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to Ray Doyle and Julie McLaughlin and Peter Kelly for their work here. Thanks to all of you for joining each and every episode. If you have a moment to drop a little review for us, we appreciate it. It's in the details section of your podcast library. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining me, everyone. It's the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly, and go Birds! We'll be back a little later in the week to get you caught up on everything Eagles heading into week two of this 2021 regular season. E-A-T-L!